If you have your Bibles, if you open them up to Exodus chapter 20, I appreciate that. A CBS covered a story uh, of a guy named Randy Waldron Jr. And what happened with Randy Waldron Jr. is somebody had taken his credit card application or or loan application in his name in the amount of two and a half million dollars. And it happened to be his father who had the same name, Randy Waldron Sr. But when the father was arrested and, and for the crimes charged and he was put in jail, he gave his son's social security number. Imagine that, a dad doing that. So all of it went on his son's record. So his son's record was ruined. His name was ruined uh, by somebody else's actions, right? And it happened, if it happened to us, we'd have a legitimate reason to be angry, right, if somebody did that to us. To steal somebody's name, identity, and reputation, that's a really big, big deal, right? While Randy Waldron Jr. could be angry, perhaps God could be angry as well, Will we do that to him by violating the third command. We're studying the Ten Commandments in our series, The Commands of God. And the first commandment, do you remember what it is? You shall not have no other gods before me. God said, I want to be worshipped exclusively. There, I'm, there's only one true God, and that is me. The second command, you shall not make for yourself an idol. God says, don't make an image or an idol of a false god or even of the one true God. Don't make it. Don't make any images or idols. Don't do any of that. And, and, and the commandments, uh, God had two tablets for the commandments. The first four commandments were on the first tablet. It concerns our relationship with God, and that's what these are. We're looking at those first four. And the third commandment says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, as you can tell by the, the theme of the songs, hopefully. Some translations say, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And even as I say that, maybe you, you think to yourself, this is the easiest one. How did that get in the top ten commandments? Of all the commandments, how did it get in the top ten? Because most often, when that is preached, it's simply said, uh, you violate this command by using God's name in profanity or using God's name flippantly, like saying, oh my God, or oh my Lord, and you just throw that out there with, with, with it that have no meaning to it, that's not in a prayer, it's not significance, just becomes part of our speech, right? And we think that. So even if I describe it, maybe you're thinking about this commandment, I can check off commandment number three, because I don't do those things, right? I, don't, I can check that off. But I don't think when God was putting together the, the Ten Commandments, he says, you know, I've got nine really good ones, but I really wanted ten, so I'll just throw this one in there. I don't think God was doing that, but some people think that. Some people think this is the weakest of the commands, but I think after we look at it today, you may find out that it's not just eliminating profanity with the name of God. It's not just using God's name flippantly, but it means so much more. So let's look at the third commandment. If you have your Bibles, let's read Exodus chapter 20 verse 7. And hopefully you're memorizing these. It says, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. So it's a big deal. Not only did it make the top 10, but it made it on the first tablet. Right here we have. And then he has additional words where God says, if I could paraphrase this, this is what he's saying. This is a really big deal. The third commandment's a really big deal. The Heidelberg Catechism is an ancient old teaching mechanism where they would ask questions and provide the answers to help people, particularly students, disciples, learn the theology. And so the question was asked when it came to commandment number three, it asked, how do we honor God by obeying command number three, the third commandment? And this is what this says. That we neither blaspheme nor misuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths in a word, 
requires that we use the holy name of God only with reverence and awe so that we may properly confess him, pray to him, and praise him for everything that we do or say. The name of the Lord is so powerful. The name of the Lord, it communicates his identity and his reputation is what it does. So, therefore, to misuse the name of the Lord in any of those things is to violate the third command is what we do there. The name of the Lord is really important because it communicates his, his character. There are lots of names of God from the Old and New Testament. They say God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And all those names tell us something about God, right? Tell us something about him. We look at it, it says a counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, uh, uh, Elohim. All those names communicate something. That means something about God. But one of those names, you've heard me reference this before in the Old Testament, it has four Hebrew consonants. It's often called the unpronounced name is what you had. And, and because in the early days, they didn't have vowel pointings in Hebrew scriptures. They were added years later. So people learned the words by listening to them read through oral tradition. So when they would come to this name, they would skip over it. They wouldn't read it. And when a scribe was going to come to it, he had to write down this name. He would stop. He would go bathe himself and come back and then write the word. And, and, and if a scribe was writing the word and suppose the king came in to interrupt him, he could not stop writing it. He had to continue writing the word. He could not stop. The word was pronounced one time a year by the high priest uh, during the Day of Atonement when he was given a blessing to Israel. He could say that name one time. One time a year they were able to say that name. Vowel pointings from other names were eventually applied over the centuries to this name. And so now it's pronounced either, we said it today, either Jehovah or Yahweh. Jehovah or Yahweh. It's depending on the vowel pointings, whether you're, whether you're using the vowel pointings from Elohim or you're using the vowel pointings from Adonai, where you get Yahweh. It's Jehovah or Yahweh. And, and, and I hope you see where we're getting to. Hope you understand that the name of the Lord has to be honored. The name of the Lord has to be praised, has to be lifted up, because it represents his character, and it's so important that we understand that. But the name of the Lord is powerful. In Acts chapter 3, remember, when, when did the church start? Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. Remember that. The church started Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 3, you have two apostles, Peter and John. They're going into the city of Jerusalem, and they're going to this gate called Beautiful. And there's a man that's there that's probably been there almost every day of his life who cannot walk, and he's begging for money, probably had a cup out or a hat out. He's asking for money. And Peter and John look at him and said, Silver and gold we don't have, but what we have we will give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the Bible says the man got up immediately, and he started walking. He went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God at the name of Jesus. And then in the fourth chapter of Acts, the religious leaders come to those apostles and they ask them this question. By what power or what name did you do this in? By what power, what name? And their answer was, we did this in the name of Jesus Christ of, of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom you killed. And they went on to say in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, salvation is found in no one else in the name of Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. The only name that saves. Proverbs 18, verse 10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The name of the Lord is to be lifted high and it's to be honored and it's to be praised because it communicates and demonstrates his character. But it also because the name of the Lord is powerful. It's powerful. It's the name that saves us through Jesus, right? It also talks about his holiness. 
When Jesus gave the model for prayer in Matthew chapter 6, he said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Holy, set apart be your name. That's what it means. Holy, set apart be God's name. It's set apart from everything else. It's holy. So the name of God is to be high and it's to be lifted up. It's to be praised above all other names. But the name of God demonstrates his followers too. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7, it says, everyone who's called by my name. So we're all called by his name as followers of God, as followers of Jesus. We even use the names Christian. We carry that name wherever you go. If you're a Christ follower, if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you carry that name Christian. We're full of Christ, right? Wherever we go, we represent Jesus. Whatever we do, we honor him and bring glory to him. Whatever we do, you are his representative. We need to understand that. Are we not representing him well? Are we hurting his reputation and his character and not honoring his name wherever we go? If you have your Bibles, if you could turn them to Acts chapter 19, we're going to find out there are more ways to break this third commandment than just uh, using it in profanity or just using it flippantly. Let me show you three ways. Acts chapter 19, the setting is, the Apostle Paul is preaching to the Gentiles in the city of Ephesus. Ephesus at that time was the second largest city in the world, had a population of about 250,000 people. They had a huge amphitheater there. They had libraries. They had bathhouses. It was a magnificent city. And Paul was there, and he's preaching the gospel. And many people were coming to Christ. Many people were coming to Christ. But there you're going to find out there were some people in that city who was Jewish leaders who broke the third commandment by misusing the name of Jesus. So if you have your outlines, hopefully you have them there, and you're all anticipating and excited about this. Three ways we misuse God's name. The first one, when we use it for personal advancement, when we use his name for personal advancement, let's look at Acts chapter 19, verse 11 through 13, where it says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and even the evil spirits left him. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. Let me share something that will help us to understand the book of Acts, especially reading this passage of Scripture. From my perspective, the book of Acts is one of those hinged books. It's the hinged book of the New Testament, definitely, because it follows the Gospels, right? And then you have the book of Acts. The writer of the book of Acts is Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. But following the book of Acts would be the epistles. The book of Acts kind of hinges the gospel with the, with, the, uh, with the epistles. The epistles, all they are are letters written by the apostles to the churches of that time and beyond. And the book of Acts is during the lifetime of the apostles. And many people believe it, it's called the, the Acts of the, the Apostles, but probably a correct explanation would be an Acts of the Holy Spirit during the lifetime of the apostles, because that's what it is during the lifetime of them. So some of the things that you will read and see during the book of Acts are descriptions of what is happening then, not prescriptions for how it should be done or how it will be done during the church age. You follow me? This is before the Bible was given. So God was using signs, wonders, and miracles to authenticate and give credibility to his apostles to say, listen to these guys. They're different. To draw attention to them, they're doing things that no one else could do. God was doing signs, wonders, and miracles. 
to watch their works and their message. And you'll see that God did this, things like this in the Old Testament with Moses too, when he was given the Ten Commandments. But he's doing this to say, listen to the message. Look at their works. So he gave signs, wonders, and miracles to these guys right here. So Paul's aprons that he wore and his handkerchiefs that he wore, being a tent maker as he did tent making, when he was done tent making, he would take those off, and then he would go about ministering and healing and all that. Some people would take those handkerchiefs, and they would take them to people and touch the skin of other people, and they would be healed. Some people would take the aprons that Paul wore, and they take them to someone, and they touch the skin of other people, and they would be healed. It was an amazing time period then. It was an amazing time period when the apostles were, were at work, what God was doing. Could God do that today? God can do whatever he wants to do. We don't make rules for God. We don't make rules for God. But I would be very, very, very cautious, very cautious, if someone was coming up to you and says, I've got a handkerchief for you to buy, and it will bring healing to you. I'd be very cautious with someone saying that. I'd be very cautious with someone bringing you a used apron and say, hey, take this, buy this for me, because it can do all kinds of healing. Or take this water from the Jordan River, it's going to do this or do that for you, and do something special for you. Be very, very cautious. While God can do whatever he wants to do, and God can't. We don't put God in a box. We don't make rules for God. God can do whatever he wants to do. Be very careful of people who do things in the name of God for their own personal advancement. And you'll find that people will do that for their own personal advancement. Be very careful. Does that still happen today? Yes, it does happen today. We have all kinds of things in our world that are knockoffs today where people claim to be this and are not that. Or, or we have merchandise that claims to be this, but it's not that. You buy a, a fancy, expensive purse that has a brand name, but it was made in another country with inferior materials. I remember uh, years ago, I went to a short-term mission trip into Thailand, and uh, there for a couple weeks. And in Thailand, uh, their money is called bots, and it was eight bots for one dollar. I don't know what it is today, but uh, you could buy a lot with a dollar bill. You could buy an awful lot there in Thailand for a dollar. But they would have merchandise there, and it would have Nike shoes. And I remember people, we would get all trapped with all these expensive things they looked like they had those Nike shoes and the Nike shoes were 27 bots which is a little over three dollars in American dollars back here in the states at that time they're selling for 70 90 120 150 dollars and I remember the, somebody on the trip bought those shoes and they showed the guy that was there his name was Octa Johnny looked at him he kind of started laughing <laughs> and he goes you bought those he goes yeah they they know that the people that live here won't buy those he goes those won't last they're only going to last a week he says they're made with inferior products they say, but they have Nike name. He goes, they're not Nikes. And sure enough, as they wore them that week, by just a couple of days, the stitches started coming apart. The soles were coming off of them very much. In one week's time, they were gone. They were gone. They had to throw them away it, because they're made with inferior materials. We have th those kind of people in ministry as well, where we have to watch out for them. There are people who use God as their ATM machine. They call on God because they're teaching, if you're a follower of God, God wants to make you wealthy, and God wants to make you healthy. And if you're not, then you've got a problem. I don't find that anywhere in Scripture. That's not found in Scripture at all, but they teach that. And you have many people that believe that, and, and you'll see it on TV many times. Be careful of that. Be careful of that. Also, be careful as a Christian businesswoman or a, a businessman, uh, using the name of God to broaden your mark and trying to use his name for your own personal advancement. Be very, very careful in doing those kind of things for your own personal advancement to make money on it. Be very careful in doing that. But it, it gets even further than that is what we see here in this passage. The second way that we misuse God's name is when we claim to know Jesus, 
but we don't know him. Well, we claim to know Jesus, but we don't. Notice the next few verses. Acts chapter 19, verse 13. So some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. When, whom Paul preaches. Does that raise any flags to you? Wouldn't it have been better to say, in the name of Jesus, who I preach, I command you to come out. In the name of Jesus, whom I ex accepted as my Lord and Savior, I command you to come out. But that's not what they said. In the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Verse 14 and 15. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? So, so there's these seven sons of uh, a chief priest named Sceva, and they watched what Paul was doing, and they thought, man, Paul is healing people with handkerchiefs of being healed. And they look at that, and they say, we could do this. We can monetize this. We can make money off of this. And so they claimed to know Jesus when they really didn't know him. And so here's a man who has an evil spirit, and he says to these seven sons of Sceva, Jesus I know, I know about Paul, but who are you? Who are you? And the man with the evil spirit, the Bible says, jumped on those guys and beat them up, and they ran out of the house naked and bleeding, the Bible says. And so you look at this, and this is a horrible thing that happened in the name of the Lord, in the name of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that these seven guys, in the name of Christ, got beat up by a demon-possessed man. How do you explain that? How do you explain something like that to someone? Well, first, they claimed the name of Jesus, but they did not know him. They, they acted like they did, but they knew about him, right? They only knew about him. I think about that as it relates to my role as pastor here at Crossroads Community Church. I think there's a lot of young people in our church, young people that, that uh, they know the Lord, they know the Lord, but I just wonder, there might be some here that are hitchhiking on their parents' faith. I don't know, I'm just asking, because that happens. Because here in this passage, these guys, they knew about Jesus, but they only knew. They, they only knew about him. They said they knew him, but they only knew about him. And the words of this evil spirit struck me as it says here, Jesus I know, I know about Paul, but who are you? It reminds me of words that Jesus said, where Jesus was, in the day of judgment, he says, some of you are going to come to me on that day, and you're going to say, Lord, I cast out demons in your name. I healed the sick in your name. I served at Crossroads Community Church in your name. And Jesus said, I, I never knew, knew you. Depart from me. And wouldn't that be horrible for someone to go there and, and hear that? Here's why I think that. Because the Bible tells me as a pastor in the book of James in Acts chapter 20, as Paul was talking to the, the elders at Ephesus, that I have a responsibility to give an account for every one of you. And one day my exit ramp is going to come here, and I'm no longer going to have an opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. I want to clarify that. I'm not saying I'm, I'm going down the exit ramp or I'm leaving or anything, but one day it's going to happen. And I'm not going to be able to share the gospel with you. But I think to myself, I want everyone that's ever heard me to be in heaven. I want all of you to be in heaven. I want to make sure you're there. That's why I share the gospel so much. I don't want anybody to get to heaven at the judgment seat and say, Pastor Doug never told me. I want you to hear from me every Sunday. You hear the gospel so you can say, Pastor Doug told me. I should have listened. I should have done this. Any pastor who doesn't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ should be super malpracticed. Because by the time we die, it's too late. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, just as man is destined to die, and after that they face judgment. It's too late. It's determined where we're going to be, right? 
So, so I'm going to tell you this again and again and again and again and again. As long as I'm up here, I'm going to be sharing this with you. That God created you, and he loves you, and he had this tremendous plan that was going to happen, but that all changed because the fall in the garden, Adam in sin, Adam and Eve sin. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Every one of us have. So there's not nobody who can stand before God and is holy in their own righteousness. None of us can stand before God in our own righteousness. And his whole game, where he played this game, that says, my good works is going to get me into heaven. That's how I'm going to get there. My good works outweighs my bad works. That whole game that we play, that's not found in the Bible. So don't base your eternity on something that's not found in the Bible. The Bible says one sin keeps you short of God's glory. One sin, and you fall short of God's standard entering into heaven. Just one sin. And we've all sinned at least one time. But God loves us so much that he didn't want us to spend one minute of eternity apart from him. So he sent his son Jesus into the world, and he came at just the right time as a baby. And he grew up, and the Bible says he lived a sinless and perfect life as a God-man, 100% God, 100% man. And then he went to the cross, and upon that cross, God placed of all your sins, my sins, the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future. Jesus died for the sins of the whole world so that you and I can have a relationship with God. He bridged the gap between us and God, and he did that for us so that you and I can have the opportunity to have a relationship with him. But I have to accept what he did. I have to accept what he did. The Bible says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith in Jesus and not by yourself. It is a gift of God. So it has to be some time in my life and in your life, not in your parents, not in your brother, your sister, your grandparents, in your own life, where you come to the point you understand that I'm a sinner. Every one of us are sinners. And that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's God. And he died on the cross for my sins. He paid the payment for my sins. And I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. There has to be a time in your life you did this. No one can say that I've always been a Christian. There's no such thing as that. There has to be a point in time that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. You, might, you may not remember the time. You may not remember exact time and place. But there has to be a time where you believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth that we know and accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Is there that for you? Have you done that? Have you accepted him as your Savior? Are you for sure? Not because mom said so or dad said so or grandma or grandpa or brother or sister. Because you've done it yourself and you know that for sure. That you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Have you done that? If you've not done that yet, that's okay. We can get that uh, handled today. May I encourage you as your pastor, because I want to spend eternity with you, that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of of your sins. He is the only way. God has provided the way for you and I to get to heaven. There's only one way. And anything else that we're using, think that's going to get us to heaven by being good, our good works, or better than this one, or doing this or that, is man's way. And it will not get you to heaven. God has provided the way to get to heaven. And it's only one way. There is no other name given to us under heaven, thereby where we must be saved. It's only through the name of Jesus. Jesus said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets to heaven except through me, except through Jesus. There's only one way, and it's through Jesus. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, please do that today. If you have questions, please see me that. See me about that, because that determines where you're going to spend eternity, what you do with Jesus. Because there's only one way God has provided through His Son. Have you accepted Him? If you have, you'll spend eternity with Jesus. If you have not, 
Or if you put it off, you shrug your shoulders, I haven't made the decision, you will spend an eternity apart from Jesus forever, forever. So make that decision. Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, okay? And if you haven't, you have questions, I want to help you with that. So let's get back to the passage in Acts chapter 19. These people didn't know about Jesus. They, they, they only heard about him, right? They didn't, they didn't know him. But there's a third way we break this commandment, which is really important for us. The third way we misuse God's name, when we don't respond to his word. When we don't respond to his word. Let's read Acts chapter 19, verse 17 through 20. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the values of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. On the surface, you could look at this and say, these seven guys who, who said they were proclaimed to know Jesus when they didn't, but the city didn't know that. The people in the city didn't know that. And a demon-possessed man just beat them up. That's horrible for the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? That's horrible for the gospel. But the gospel's more powerful than the false teachers of it, right? It's more powerful. And God was working. And people saw this. 250,000 people in the city, and many of them repented of their sins and came, be, came to be followers of Jesus Christ because they were seized with fear. And when you're seized with fear, look what happens, it says. The name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. The name of the Lord Jesus was lifted up. It was praised. They believed. They believed. Why did they believe? Because they responded to the word of God. They understood what it said. His name was lifted up. And they responded in repentance. Repentance is you're this way and you change your mind, you turn the opposite direction. So they turned from their sin and they turned toward God. They responded to repentance. To not respond to repentance is a violation of the third command. It's a violation. When we don't respond to repentance to God's word, it's a violation of the third commandment. So God said in Psalm 138, verse 2, I've exalted above all things my name and my word, is what he says. So we have the opportunity with the third command, every time the Bible is taught, to either violate the command or to praise the name of God. Every time it's taught, we are. If we respond in obedience, we praise the name of God, and the word of God goes forth mightily. If we respond in disobedience and just shrug it off, we have violated this third command. So every time you come here on Sunday morning, we have an opportunity for this third commandment. That's why it's so important. And anything that comes from the Word of God, which every Sunday, hopefully, you hear from the Word of God, that challenges your lifestyle, your practices, your choices, your vocabulary, or anything like that. And you sit there, you have a choice. At that moment, am I going to repent and lift up the name of Jesus and the Word of God goes forth mightily? Or am I going to just listen to it, shrug it off, and ignore it? And if I do that, I've misused the name of Jesus, the name of God. And I violated this third command. We are his representatives. That's what image. We are made in his image. Image means representation. We are his representatives here on this earth. And we are to honor and lift up that name. I know this is heavy. Is this heavy? Is this heavy? All of us who thought we could check off this commandment by saying, boy, I don't use God's name in profanity. I don't use God's name flippantly. This is an easy one. All of a sudden, we're looking at this. I can't check this off so quickly. 
It's like a person who have this bumper sticker of the fish. You ever see a, a bumper sticker with the fish? A fish was a is an early sign of, of Christianity, but they have the bumper sticker of fish on their car, but they're not driving or acting like Jesus would ever act or drive. And when we do that, we're not we're misusing his name. We empty his name of the grandeur and the glory and the honor that he so much deserves. That name deserves. But we're going to claim to be a Christ follower. We're going to claim to be that at our job. We've got to lift up his name. We've got to honor his name wherever we go. And it's just not with, I'm not going to use his name in profanity or flippantly, but in my actions, my deeds, my work, how I live my life. It's going to show and honor and praise that name. Everything I do has to praise that name and lift up his name because we are his representatives as we go out into the world. We're Christ followers. We carry that name with us wherever we go. And anytime we violate, then we violate the third commandment because we misuse his name. We misuse the representation that God has given us. You're my representatives here in this world. Go out there. Be the hands and feet of Jesus wherever you go. My intention this morning was not for you to feel beat up. That's not my intention or feel lousy about yourself, feel guilty, maybe done a lot of things wrong, feel lousy as a Christian. That's not my intention. But I need to tell all of you today, as I tell myself, that if we violated this commandment, God said it's a big deal. I have, to, I have to tell you the truth. It's a big deal when we violate the third commandment. This is important. It's a big deal. But if we violate it at all, don't leave here beating yourself up. Don't leave here guilty. Keep in mind the same God loves you so much. He loves you. The same God that gave these commandments is the same God that loves you so much. And he says, just confess it to me and stop doing it and just confess it. And he gives us, as you heard me say this, 1 John 1, 9. Write it down if you don't know it. Memorize it. He says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins. What a promise. And cleanse us or purify us from all unrighteousness. That's God's promise to all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. That if we confess our sins, he goes, you don't have to think, maybe I will forgive you of your sins, and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So we just come to God and say, God, you know, I messed up, and, and so will you forgive me? And God promises to take your sin away, and he says, I will cast it as far as the east is from the west. I will throw it in the deepest ocean. I will remember it no more, and I will never, ever, ever bring it back to you again, back up to you. So do you feel guilty this morning? Don't beat yourself up, but be cleansed. Confess it, right? Confess it. Confess it. So if you're feeling guilty this morning, and you say, boy, I, I don't feel real good, don't leave guilty, but be cleansed. Come this morning and say, God, just confess it to him. Say, God, you know, I violated the third commandment. And we've all have it sometime. We all have. Probably on a regular basis. We just come and confess it. Or something else that you need to confess, you just come here and say, God, that I need to confess this. And ask God to forgive you, and guess what? He will. He will. That's our God. No matter what you've done, he will. But just remember this. It's only through the name of Jesus that you and I are forgiven. It's only through his name. It's only through the bloody cross of Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for you and I that God is able to forgive you and I through that name of Jesus. It's only through that that we are forgiven, through what Jesus Christ did for us. It's through his name, not because we're good, not because we deserve it. It's because of Jesus that we are forgiven for all our sins. So we lift up that name in high honor 
and praise that name. And we don't do anything to dishonor that name or misuse that name at all because that's the name that holds us. That's the name that sustains us. That's the name where we're forgiven. That's the name where we get into heaven. It's through Jesus. So we lift it up. And we're proud, proud followers of that name, of Jesus, of what he did for us, because he gave it all for us. And we never, ever want to misuse that name. Amen? Let's lift up his name. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you. We thank you. For there is no one, absolutely no one like you, no one who came and, and gave their life for us when, Lord, you didn't do anything wrong. But you became sin for us. My sin put you on that cross. You took the torture and beating and death and the separation from your Father because of me, because of us, because you love us so much. God, your love is, is amazing. It's amazing. And as human beings with a finite mind and, and a tainted heart, we just can't understand the purity of your love. The purity of your forgiveness. Your faithfulness. How you love us. And willing to forgive us of anything we do. And you're always there for us. And you never give up on us. That you love us. And if we do something wrong, you come after us because you love us so much. Lord, help us to understand that. That you sent your son and sacrificed your one and only son for us. And Jesus, you came in your own volition. No one made you come. You did it because you love us. Because you love us. And you died for our sins. So that we might have a relationship with God. Lord, I pray for anybody that may not know Jesus yet. I pray for their soul this morning. They would see that they're a sinner in need of a Savior. And the only Savior there is, the only one that can save them, is Jesus. Is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There is no other name, Lord. There is no other name under heaven where we can be saved. It's only through Jesus. That all of us know Jesus. That, Lord, we praise that name. We lift that name up. And we proud, proud owners of that name. We never be shy or timid from that name. And we would never think to misuse his name. Because it's that name that saves us through his name. Through that name, we died on the cross for our sins. We praise and we love that name, the name of Jesus. Only through the name of Jesus are we saved. So let our hearts resonate with that this week. Help us, Lord, to live as we think of this third commandment, how important it is in our life to remember to not misuse that name, the name of God in any way. Say, Lord, you're God. Don't use it. Lord, we come this morning as we sing this last song. Let us lift our hearts and minds to you as we raise up that name again. Maybe with a little bit more anticipation, expectation, excitement, energy, focus, understanding, clarity, where we understand how wonderful and amazing and beautiful is the name of Jesus, the name of God. We love you and we praise you. We ask this in Jesus' name.